Some of the statements is you take the Indian out of the trap, Indianism out of the trap. Mm. And they did that by, you know, stripping us of our, our language. But a lot of us retained it. I tell you, over those years I spent there, it was humor, humor, laughter that got through. And I just, I lived on that. You're listening to C4C Conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Alameen Abdul Mahmoud, and I want to welcome you back to C4C Conversations for one last bonus episode for this season. The conversation you're about to hear is between two travelers, Pete and Peggy, who met on the train. Their conversation is powerful and challenging, and we knew we had to share it with you. A quick warning, in this conversation, Peggy talks about her experience in residential schools. Their discussions include details about physical and emotional abuse and violence that may be triggering for some listeners. Do you feel like uh, First Nation people are treated disrespectfully in regards to law in Canada? I think overall, I think um, minorities are treated less than, let's say, somebody who isn't. But I think that First Nations are maybe easily targeted because they've been displaced or not. They don't really have their homes, so they go to the city and lots of them don't have places to stay. And they end up on the street, not by choice, but because of familiarity. They know the people there. and you know, they, they can talk with them, whereas you just can't go in somebody's house and say, hey, can I have a cup of tea? Yeah. They're not going to invite you, no. but on the streets, you know, the, it's a little bit more biting when you can talk to your own language to yeah. somebody. It seems easier, yeah. and then so along comes with the other stuff, you know, you get going with them and you, you so get trapped. The First, the first Nation people will generally stick end up sticking together segregated from from other ethnic groups then or, or I think yeah they do they yeah do. They, they do um, hmm. I don't know how to say this but there was a situation that happened in our um, close town it's Lloydminster where one of our band members or what, what, some of our band members got into um, a situation where there was racial slurs and in the end after the the bar had closed the confrontation carried on and eventually um, the non-native was killed and because of that um, there was a lot of um, tension when we go to town they would say stuff to us or if we go to get our groceries they throw our groceries on the counter like we were dogs you know yeah. or lots of times they wouldn't uh, they'd shut the door on us like some of the clothing places yeah. oh we're, we're closed you know you know they uh, they weren't ready to serve first nations people so. oh, yeah, I, I, I don't understand why it happens <laughs> but it seems to be uh, quite a common thing not just in Canada but well, I was, I've just been travelling, um, so I was in New Zealand and Australia, and particularly in Australia, I was quite horrified by some of the stories I was hearing about First Nation Aboriginal yeah. people there. Um, it seems like you know 
whilst it's not Canada, maybe not applicable to this particular, what you're talking about, it seems like there are some similarities with regards to that and how they've just shoved out into where, whilst it was also their, their land in the first place, that seemed to be shoved away. I don't quite personally don't understand that. This seems yeah. to, for some reason, seems to happen. Yeah. Um, I think it goes like uh, beyond uh, even when they when people were first coming into Canada, you know, the, the First Nations people were really um, kind to them. They showed yeah. them the country. They allowed them to understand the land for what it is. And they showed them yeah. how to um, uh, take care of themselves here. And in the end, uh, in our language, in Cree, there's no understanding of selling the land. There's no word for it. So we shared the land. We inhabited this area along with other people. We never owned it. We did never thought of even selling it because it's not ours to sell. It's Mother Earth. Okay. It's it's everybody's land, right? Yeah. It seems, like I say, it seems quite a common thing back, back in those days. Yeah. Uh, I feel quite sad, uh, like yeah. particularly like I suppose coming from a European background, or even though I was never, also, even a twinkle in my mum's <laughs> eye then, had nothing to do with it. Yeah. I still feel bad that there was, you know, it was kind of from, I guess, my people, which you would say that, or from my neck of the woods, that people felt like they could treat other human beings yeah. in that real, in that way. It's, that's, that certainly wouldn't be my heart, and it's sad that, like, that, that, that has happened, that it's caused segregation. Yeah, and I think growing up, um, when we talk about racism, they built um, what they call residential schools. I I'm, had been in residential school for seven years. You know what that is, right? Uh, it's it's a sure. place. Let's say if you were my son, a priest would come to my place and say, no, he's coming to school. They take you away from me. For seven years, maybe I not see you. They take me in a home. I'm raised by nuns, by priests. I'm taught their culture, told this is your religion. You cannot talk Cree. If you talk Cree, you'll get a lick in. There's all sorts of things. There was terrible hardship that was on the children. Some children died because there was terrible stuff done to them. Today we have adults my, my age struggling with alcohol, with drugs, because they're still affected by the residential school area because they were assaulted in many different ways. If it wasn't physical, it was mentally, emotionally, and sexually. It was terrible. So I spent seven years there. What did that do to me now that I'm a parent is that generally most parents bond with their kids. They love their yes, kids. I love my kids. But I had to learn how to love my children because that was never something I grew up with. Love was not in our language. We never talked about being hugged, being told, hey, I love you, good night. Never. We were told, go to bed. Every morning we'd wake up, we'd have to clean the center all the time, you know, do what we have to do. Yeah. But those, to me, it's a bit of racism because we weren't allowed to speak our language. We weren't allowed to see our parents. Our parents would come to the fence and they'd want to touch us and the nuns would come by and hit us, you know. They'd take us and they'd take our ears and, you know, tear them to get away from the fence. Some of the statements is you take the Indian out of the trap, Indianism out of the trap. Mm. And they did that by, you know, stripping us of our, our language. But a lot of us retained it. 
Strangely enough, you know, when the nuns and the priests were not there, we go behind doors and we just be talking away. <laughs> I tell you, over those years I spent there, it was humor, humor, laughter that got through. And I just, I lived on that. Going from residential schools and going into foster homes, see, there, there was a lot there because the foster homes were not so nice either. I was in quite a few foster homes in Alberta and um, was I discriminated? Yes, I was called a squaw and I was called um, a filthy Indian if I didn't <laughs> I didn't clean the house right, which I knew how to clean because we had been doing that since residential schools. But I could never measure up to my foster families, no matter how clean I could get it. Yeah. They were just, I think they took me in just to be their maid. <laughs> and, and the government paid them to take care of me. Yeah. A lot of the clothes I wore were uh, thrift store clothes, but I know the government gave me money to get me better clothes, but I didn't have. I have scars on my body that, uh, yeah. It will be there for the rest of my life. But, yeah. Where did you go uh, after the foster homes? I took off from Alberta. I said I was done because there was lots of stuff that happened. And I left. I left the province. I was told if I could leave that they can't touch me Saskatchewan. So I left one province to leave, to go to another one to make change for myself, to get away from a system that imprisoned me. I was um, never allowed to go home because my grandmother was too old to take care of me. My parents were alcoholics by then. If you look at it this way, when you're born, you have your parents around you. You have your aunts and uncles, you have your grandpa and grandma all around you. Take care of you. What they did to us as little kids, they took us from the center and left our parents parentless. It was hard, what do you do? You don't, you can't parent nobody. What you had was taken from you and we're gone. So, what could they have done that would interest them because they didn't have no kids? So the parents took alcohol and that became to replace the void they felt, what they were taking, because they weren't, they couldn't be parents anymore. They weren't allowed. I refused to go with the priest when he came to pick me up. They jailed my dad. They put him in prison, I don't know for how long, but I said, okay, I'll go. But the agent still took him to prison. So yeah. But it is, it's one day at a time. It's still here because I realized I had lost so much as a child because I know what I give with my kids. Yeah. And I never lived with my parents. I was never allowed to. I was in residential school since I was three. Yeah. 
started your own family in Saskatchewan? Yes, I did. Yeah, I was 28 when I first had my son. Prayer yeah. helps. Yeah. And you know, forgiving people. As much as uh, I find it thinking like, you know, I could have done what the other people did. I could have been an alcoholic. I could have been on the streets. It would have been easy. But that wasn't the life I chose. I chose because I knew I wanted a better life for myself. I made a promise when I was a foster kid. I want to make change. My promise to myself was when I grow up, I want to be the voice of children in care, people who are silent, like I was silent. Nobody cared about this girl. I want to be that voice for children in care. That's made a difference. I always kept that model in my life. That's it for this final episode of C4C Conversations. Thank you so much to everyone who listened in and to those who connected with us on social media. And a huge thank you to everyone we met this summer who took the time to talk and share their stories. This podcast couldn't have happened without you. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to hear more, please head over to our website, challengeforchange.ca. That's challengeforchange.ca for other conversations that we recorded this summer. You can also check out our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages for pictures and videos of our travels and the people we met along the way. I'm Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. Thank you again for listening.